0: I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've spent over 25,000 hours working with individuals and couples and families, which has given me a front row seat to our capacity for change, no matter how challenging a story might be. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. We're strangers up until the point we sit down with one another. And I have to say, it's actually really challenging. It's really hard for me to go in without much information or having a previous relationship with them. Every time I sit down with a guest, I'm hearing their story for the first time. I'm trying to create a sense of safety for them and create some type of connection for us. And I'm also wanting us to accomplish something without forcing it or leading them to a particular outcome. We're giving you real conversations to see what can actually be accomplished in a short amount of time. Even though what you're listening to in the show is not how I work with my actual clients, it's pretty incredible what a one-off conversation with someone you don't know can lead you to. In fact, I think it's quite remarkable. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so you can liberate the way you live and love and create the life and relationships you've always wanted. What I've found time and time again in all of my work Is that the unwanted patterns in our adult lives are really just unresolved pain from the past trying to grab for our attention if we can be brave enough to face our patterns a lot of beautiful healing work can happen that's why this show is named this keeps happening because who hasn't said that once or twice before to themselves i hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey I hope someone's story holds up a mirror for you and reflects something back to you about yourself or someone you love. Because sometimes learning through other people's stories is a beautiful invitation to learn about our own. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. Today I'm speaking with Randy. That's his alias. He called us with a very specific goal. He doesn't want to be a jerk anymore. His language. It seems like everyone and everything just sets him off. Everything annoys him and makes him angry, and he doesn't know why. One thing to know about Randy, he's a long-term caretaker for his wife. She has MS, and her condition has been worsening. He doesn't know how to share his pain, and he says he doesn't even know what sharing pain looks like. From my perspective, it's hard for Randy to connect with the emotions beneath his annoyance. So that's where we start this conversation. Inquiring about what the annoyance is actually trying to communicate to him. So, you were interested in maybe starting exploring, understanding why you get annoyed easily. Will you tell me a little right. bit? Is, does that still feel like an okay starting place for yes. us? Yes.
1: Yeah. No. That, that's it. Yeah. So two parts: get annoyed easily, and then respond with anger. Okay, And either outward or keep it in. Mm
0: -hmm. Have you noticed that change throughout your lifetime? Or is this something that you've always found yourself irritable and quick to anger?
1: I think it's probably been lifetime, probably as soon as my rational brain kicked in. So maybe around adolescence or so, but I didn't think it was a problem. So I just thought I was a jerk and that's the way it was. And I had to deal with it, but Mm -hmm. I've since learned I might be able to fix it or amend it in some way, Mm. mitigate it.
0: Yeah. Why would you want to fix or amend it besides the obvious, like, okay, I don't want to be a a jerk.
1: Okay. So, uh, if I act on the anger right there, it makes any situation worse. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And then if I don't act on it, it can affect my mood and just make Mm -hmm. me a a sour for after, which, you know, that, that makes everything worse. And, um, it, it affects my relationship with my wife mm-hmm. for those reasons. And, and also I want to be less um, annoyed with, with, with her. Okay. So.
0: Yeah. What, what comes up with her? Is there a pattern or what makes you most annoyed with her?
1: It's complicated. Okay. She is a quadriplegic due to advanced disability from MS. Okay. Which includes pretty severe cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. So, the first ten years of our marriage, we worked on communication really, really hard, and we got the communication down. Now I'm back into a uh, difficulty communicating.
0: Mm-hmm. Something coming up for you there emotionally when you when you talk about it, or
1: I'd like to be better to my wife. That's about it.
0: Yeah, well, I wouldn't maybe minimize it that much, right? I want to be better to my wife. That's about it. That's probably a big piece. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the MS? When you met, was she struggling with the MS and the cognitive parts in the early parts of the relationship? No. Okay. So when no, did no, you no. when did you two meet? Tell, give me a little bit of the timeline.
1: Okay, w- w- we met in um, eighty four. Okay. We, we worked in close proximity when we met. If she went back to her medical history. She was having an exacerbation, but it was undiagnosed in 84, because okay. that was before they used MRIs to diagnose it. And then we were married in 86. She was diagnosed in 93. Okay. And with relapsing, and there's four kinds of MS. So uh, it was relapsing or It would come and go and be a little bit worse every time. And then mm. it moved into, which is commonly what's called secondary chronic progressive. So it just keeps on getting worse and worse and worse. Okay. And her, her cognitive impairment really only showed up in really about the last 10 years,
0: mm-hmm. I, I would say. Okay. What's been the impact on you with that cognitive shift?
1: Well, h- having to relearn communication. So part of my getting annoyed is she doesn't react and doesn't think in the same way that w- we learned how to communicate. Yeah. So I, I'm her primary caregiver and part of Part of one of my personality faults is I'm, obje- I'm objective-oriented. So mm-hmm. I don't like the journey. I don't appreciate the journey. I want to get from the start point to the end point as soon as possible.
0: Yeah,
1: And so I'm her primary caregiver, got a lot of things I need to do. Mm. And since she's a quadriplegic, she has to tell me what she needs all the time. And that's, you know, that's a lot of stuff when you're a quadriplegic. I mean, she just needs something a little bit adjusted, this foot moved, this arm moved, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And so I want to get it done as soon as possible. And she can't tell me. Quickly anymore, mm-hmm. the, um, her working memory is really down. Now she's took the full battery of tests, and the thing that showed the greatest decrease was um, at the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what they call it, the attention, whatever. Um, that was down to two percent, but really, it's her working memory is down to maybe one item. Mm-hmm. So either or questions can stump her for
0: mm.
1: longer than a person without the damage she has.
0: Yeah, I think for someone, the way that you're describing yourself, you know, start to end as quickly as possible. Um, This is a scenario in which there isn't an end, I guess. You know, it's like there's nothing that you can fix or save or solve, um, maybe in the way that your brain would normally process that, right? It's it's Mm -hmm. you getting maybe more comfortable in the discomfort, right? It's you yeah. knowing that you can't actually make this go away. I don't know if there was a period in your life where you struggled with that, with her. Like, oh, here's this thing that I can't solve and I can't fix and I can't save her from.
1: Not not really. We're, uh, we're pretty accepting. We're, we both try to be devout Christians and we mm-hmm. understand suffering is part of that. But I never thought about quitting, never thought about leaving or anything mm-hmm. of that. Uh, I've had about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, listen to the book, uh, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. And that was my introduction to stoicism and CBT. Mm -hmm. And I had a great, uh, I've had two great CBT successes. And one was that when I used to get kind of surly or cranky about having to take care of her, I Mm remember she's she's had to be uh, hospitalized a number of times. And they can't take good care of her there because they her needs are so great. She's just so uncomfortable. It kills me when she's in the hospital. I, I'm just I, I suffer along with her, and I'm so happy when she comes home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had this CBT breakthrough of thinking: whenever I get feeling like I'm overwhelmed or it's it's too difficult, I think, okay, well, just think about it. if she was in the hospital instead of being home, you would be even worse emotional shape than this. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge breakthrough. That made me, my brain change. Like, mm-hmm. I guess CBT is supposed to do that, you know, to change your perspective. And so that was that was huge. And um, I, I was thinking, how come I can't have that same breakthrough and not being annoyed? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for.
0: Well, so have you inquired much about your annoyance? Like, what do you, what do no. you know? Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 My All wife right. sees a therapist regularly and part of them is asking, how are you doing? I always say, I'm fine. Uh-huh. And, uh, one time the her therapist is coming in and she said, how are you doing? I said, well, hold on to the doorframe there. Cause I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. She said, yeah, you could probably use some therapy and, uh, maybe some, uh, I forgot what she called it, in drug therapy and talk therapy. And I said, eh, I'm probably not going to do that.
0: But uh-huh. Do you remember what the blah, blah, blahs were when you responded? Oh, well,
1: I told her. I had a really bad toothache. Whenever I get narcotics, I try to take as few as possible and then mm-hmm. keep the rest for when I need them. So I had a really bad toothache. And I took two Vicodin. And it really didn't do much of toothache, but all my stress was just kind of like poof, mm-hmm. gone, which I've only experienced one time before. And that was when I took first said and I, I always tell people you know Versed is something I would rob a dispensary for but uh, so all my stress would like would just a poof and i said maybe a drug therapy would help me with my stress anyway mm-hmm. so that that that's where we're we're talking about she goes yeah you might you might be a candidate for drug therapy so
0: okay okay so let's inquire about the annoyance so okay. when you get annoyed at someone else the focus becomes what
1: that's why I don't like it. It becomes me. It's 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 all about how I feel. And I lack empathy. And I'm not considering how the other person feels at all mm-hmm. or the impact on the other person. That's one of the things I don't like about it because it's very, very selfish. And I don't want to be a selfish
0: person. It's interesting because I was going to say the, the opposite. I was going to say really? that when you become annoyed, it's the annoyance about what everybody else is doing how slow they are, how they're not aware of you. And I can see how that might turn into like, Oh, it's about me. But I wonder a little bit about whether the annoyance is actually a distraction away from you connecting to how you actually feel.
1: Ooh, that could be, I, I, I consider myself so in, um, who's the guy who had the, uh, learning or the int- multiple intelligences. So one of the multiple intelligences is intrapersonal and I said oh, I'm a zero on that. And and, and maybe it's because I want to be a zero, I don't know.
0: Cuz when I think about annoyance, when whenever if I'm annoyed at someone, I am usually pretty caught up in what they're doing or not doing. Right? I'm I'm away from what it is that I'm actually feeling. Right? I'm like, oh, ah. I'm com-, right there's like a it, when I think about it again for myself, it feels a lot like a like a, a complaint about what's happening. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Why weren't you thinking about me? Why weren't you this? Why weren't you that? Right. And w- so when I when I think about it that way, I think about it as something that actually disconnects me from the vulnerability that that is actually there for me. And I think the annoyance for you is not just reserved for your wife. It sounds like annoyance might show up in lots of different areas, right? Yeah, it does. But I'm curious, and maybe we just take the relationship with your wife for right now, and we can explore it outside of that as well. But when you think about like, when I get annoyed at her, like when's the last time you were annoyed with her?
1: Uh, it's probably on a daily basis mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm trying to do stuff and she can't tell me what I need to do or yeah. she can't phrase it properly. She can't say it accurately. So. Yeah,
0: right. And so when that happens, what do you feel?
1: The, the best I can say is anger. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm not. I'm not good at at identifying my my emotions.
0: That's okay. You tell me if any of this lands, okay. Because um, that might be an easier way. If, if if it feels harder for you to identify some of them, the first thing that came to mind was when that happens. Maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel yeah. powerless. Right? That like, Ugh, I, I I don't know what to do, or I can't, I can't do anything for you in this moment. Right? Like you're the key. You're you're the one who's trying to communicate something to me, but that's not happening quickly enough or fast enough. And so I now have to sit here, watch you in your discomfort, watch you in your pain, watch you in your suffering, and not be able to maybe do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Does that does that land?
1: That that that's very possible.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know before you said that. A part of your practice has been for both of you uh, getting a little bit more comfortable in the suffering. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you spoke to your faith before about like, yeah, this is. I'm not trying to fix or solve or save or anything like that. I am. We're practicing getting more comfortable in the the pain and the suffering.
1: Right mm-hmm.
0: now, I wonder if it's possible that that is true. And that it also might be true that sometimes it is also hard to see someone we love in suffering, in pain, that that is not something that we always have access to, like I surrender, I am at peace with this, that there might be moments where we don't like it, where it is harder to accept, it is harder to be at peace with. Do you feel like there's ever times where it's a little bit more challenging for you to just be in the acceptance space with this?
1: I'd say most of the times it is. Uh, It's it's I I can I can accept it at at a distance, but when I'm doing something, I can't. Yeah. uh, I I want to I want to I want to get it done and and you know, and help.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, right? And I have to imagine, especially when it's someone you, you know, have a a, a deep care for, a deep love for. I think that that's really well said, that when it's from afar, you know, it's like in theory, like, Mm. yes, right? Like, release, surrender, find peace. This isn't something that I can control or we can control. But then when you're right up next to it, right, when you're right face to face with it, when someone is in pain, when, the the speed at which you want to offer some type of relief has to slow down because your partner can't communicate what she needs or what she's feeling. Right. It leaves you in a stuck place, right? It leaves you in a place where you can't help. You can't offer relief. And so yeah, I know you're saying it might be. And I'll take it, I'll take an it might be. Yeah, maybe it might be true that I feel helpless in those moments or powerless in those moments, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's stick with the it might be. So, I would always be curious about where else in your life you have felt helpless or powerless outside of this experience with with your wife.
1: Yeah, there's got to be but I nothing comes to nothing comes to mind okay. a, at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's any well, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I spend I don't. <laughs> great. Um <laughs> a a big part of my work is exploring our family systems the way that Oh we yeah, grew I know up. that. Okay, know you that. you yeah. know that part great. Yeah, All right, right yeah. perfect. Um, and yeah, seeing what is, you know, unresolved from our past and how that maybe is playing out in our current life and when I think about helplessness and powerlessness, guess guess where we can find that often? Yeah, in our childhoods because as children it is very easy to feel helpless or powerless when we're in relationships with adults, right? Who tend to have more power, more control, more say over things. Um, When we experience pain as kiddos or trauma as children or teenagers at any point in our lives, um, it's often because we've been in a position where we feel helpless or we feel powerless. And so, I don't know if it's something, you know, you said there must be something there, but nothing coming to mind. I'll open the mind to think not just about your own life, but maybe, I don't know if you have siblings or, you know, if you grew up with adults in your home, uh, parents, uh, caretakers, but maybe also witnessing someone else in an experience of helplessness or powerlessness. Anything come to mind for you?
1: Well, yeah, so... We had seven kids in our family, two generations of kids. Wow. So my dad was a widower with with four kids when my mom married him. And okay, had, she had three kids, so I was the middle of the second generation. Uh-huh. So the the older generation, they were kids in the '60s. My dad was an army officer, not around a lot for them, uh-huh. and they had a lot of a lot a lot of trouble uh-huh. losing their mom and then. Not really good relationships with my mom And then growing up in the 60s And my dad being gone a lot mm-hmm. By the time I was an adolescent My dad had retired from the army Home all the time mm-hmm. And uh, I had a much different upbringing Than my older brothers and sisters yeah. their, their lives were kind of tumultuous mm-hmm. So I don't know whether I saw A whole bunch of stuff as a little kid or not That was was real painful So it, you know that, that's about how far that goes
0: Okay We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
1: Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Through eight, eight years older.
0: Okay. So when you were born, mm-hmm. the youngest of that first generation was eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you all live together for a period of time?
1: Yeah. 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 My oldest sister had to had to leave, um, uh, I guess, in high school. They had to send her to a boarding high school because mm-hmm. she couldn't get along with my mom. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember much about that at all or anything. There were three girls and a boy. So my bro- my oldest brother, he ran away from home when my dad was on a one-year deployment away from home when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And a couple years later, my dad had to kick him out of the house for drug use and uh, that. And
0: Yeah, there's a lot there. I know you said maybe don't remember a whole lot, but it, it sounds like you experienced a lot. And it sounds like you're... Yeah,
1: it, it seems like a memory but it doesn't seem like uh so right now i'm not, i'm not thinking of it as trauma yeah. but maybe you know maybe it was maybe it is but i don't you know
0: well i guess i'm curious cuz it sounds like they had a really hard time um accepting your mom um or getting yeah. along with her and mm-hmm. yeah, i can only imagine them losing their their mother prematurely i'm sure was incredibly challenging and hard but i'm curious if you have any memories about what it was like to see that type of chaos in your family and have a lot of that energy either directed at your mom or directed at your dad because it sounds like there was a lot of conflict there was that hard Uh, for
1: you no i don't i don't remember it being hard um Mm -hmm. one time one of my sisters and my mom got into an actual physical altercation Well, no, my mom my mom beat her that It might have been the most traumatic event of my childhood. I remember screaming and crying about that.
0: Yeah. What feels important to know about that incident for me to understand? Do you remember how old you were when that happened? I was probably five years old. Okay.
1: And uh, I I was screaming, telling him to stop, stop, telling my mom to stop, 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 stop. And then I was crying afterwards. And and that's about it. That's about all all I remember. And. Mm -hmm. It seems like a very objective uh, memory for me. I don't, I don't have a lot of sadness about it. But
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine there's a part that has to be a little bit removed from it, right? Like you are describing that you were screaming, "Stop! Stop! Stop!" and you know that's a, a part of the memory that you do remember. Um, and so I imagine that it was distressing for you as a five-year-old, even though right now you retelling it to me, maybe you feel far away from that emotion. Do you feel like it's available for you to to think a little bit more about that five-year-old boy who was seeing that happen? I feel like you well, can, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. What do you mean
0: available? Like that you can kind of access a little bit of that emotion because when you say that, I think about a little child a, a five-year-old witnessing that and even what you've shared that you do remember you know the first thing that I think about is how helpless we might feel in a moment like that right when we're thinking mm-hmm. about like helplessness and powerlessness I can't do anything I can't stop this here are two people that presumably I care about or I love and I can't make this stop or end or go away I have to imagine that it's a really scary, Experience, even if you can't remember the sadness or you can't really access much feeling around it currently. But I, it strikes me, right? When somebody doesn't have many memories, but there is one, right, that they can pull mm-hmm. from. And here's the one that you can remember that stands out to you. Um, yeah, you know, I, I certainly don't want to put any words in your mouth, but um, I can just think of any child in a situation like that that might feel really helpless or powerless. In a moment where they can't affect what's happening around them, you have any thoughts about that?
1: No, other than that, yeah, that, that's probably right. That's about it. Yeah, but but then but then my objective-oriented side goes, okay, then what? So
0: well, okay, then what? What do you think? Okay, then what? I might have felt helpless. I might have felt powerless. Maybe I have felt that way in other moments of my life, but what, right? What does that have to do with anything or what do you think? Or what
1: that... can I do about it? What can I do about it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's scan a little bit further. You are at least not rejecting the idea of helplessness and powerlessness, right? You're like, no. maybe. Okay, no. you're right. Okay. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll touch it. We'll play with it a little bit. So outside of the marriage... Because you said this is not reserved just for your wife, right? If we can scan a little bit more, we think about the other areas, the other people, the other um, experiences where you find annoyance, right? Is there anything else there that stands out to you, right? If we're looking for helplessness or powerlessness, right? Like when you get particularly annoyed with someone, what are some of the themes, some of the similarities you might notice? What irks you?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's anything specific other than people are either not acting how I think they should act or not thinking how I think they should think. So, Facebook originally was just terrible for me, okay, because people would say things that, that wouldn't let me, and I'd I'd type in my my comments down there and finally mm-hmm. my daughter said you can't do stuff like that <laughs> and she was absolutely right and mm-hmm. it's funny people my age you know they, they jump all over facebook and then they they get off it because they say this is not a good thing mm-hmm. so it could be anything it, it could be you know social stuff political mm-hmm. stuff religious stuff so when people don't act like i think they should be acting or where people don't think like they should be acting and and uh, again go, you're going going back to one. Want to be a good Christian disciple? It's it shows me that I'm arrogant. I'm I lack patience. I'm not gentle, and I'm not meek. Mm. All things that I'm I'm supposed to strive to be. Well,
0: so you um, keep saying how they should, right? How they should yeah, be acting right, or how right. they should yeah. be thinking. Yeah. And I think maybe what you're saying is how I think or how I yes. act. Right, right, right. right yeah. And if they are not acting or thinking the way that I act or think, then what happens to you?
1: I get angry. So, uh, again, to talk about the stoicism thing, my reaction of uh, annoyance goes into anger, where I respond with anger. And Mm -hmm. it's either outward or it stays inward and just makes me sour. So, yeah, I get angry.
0: Yeah, right. And I get angry because what?
1: Uh, Well, it's about about my perceptions. And um, uh, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know because just I don't know.
0: I okay. mean what, what could there be? What could there be?
1: All right. So I don't know what I don't know I don't know what there could be in that answer.
0: Well, so if we keep tracking with this, right? I get annoyed, irritable when people don't act or think how they should. And so then we took it down a step and we said, okay, how they act when they don't act or think the way that I would. And if they don't act or think the way that I would, I get angry because I can't control it, change it, get you to see what I see? What do you think?
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it could be a control thing. So okay. so here's an example. I call up my bank and I talk to the manager. I said, I need to have this money transferred to this place mm-hmm. by the end of the day. So I go to the bank 30 minutes before closing. I say, was the money transferred? And the manager says, no. I'm sorry, but here's what you can do. And mm-hmm. immediately, my face changes. See, you, ever, you know when James Gandolfini on Sopranos—he can go from a real
0: mm-hmm. benign
1: face to a to a terroristic face. Just with I, I, apparently, I have that ability Okay. because my face changes, and this woman's eyes get wide, and I could see fear on her mm-hmm. thing. And I didn't even say anything yet; just just my face changed, mm-hmm. and she—I could tell she she was scared even before mm-hmm. I said anything. And I said to her, "No, you ought to be telling me what you can do." And that's that's a mean way to say it, but anyway, that's 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 kind of example. I
0: think that's a really good example, right? Because in that experience, I think what you're describing is that here's this thing that I was expecting someone else to follow through on. I called earlier in the day. I dotted my eyes and crossed my t's to make sure yeah. I made that mm-hmm. this was going to get done before the end of the day, and then it didn't. I am helpless. Powerless in this situation, right? Because I'm really relying and depending on someone else to follow through on their commitment, right? For them to follow through on the thing that they said that they would follow through on, and when that doesn't happen, right, I, I'm I feel something, right? Because there isn't really anything for me to now do within 30 minutes of end of the day, right? I can't I can't make this happen on my end faster than you guys could make this happen on your end. Does that sound right? Tracks yeah, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the moment where I don't have control over get, making sure that my money gets from point A to point B, I feel maybe powerless or helpless. And then I get angry. Right. Then I feel something surge within me because I'm not in control now. I, I, I don't have access to the the power maybe that comes from being able to know that I did this, you did this, okay, it's done, and we got the thing that I wanted to get done today. Does that feel?
1: Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. Have any other examples?
1: Well, let me give you three anti-examples. So I was thinking about okay, are there people that I interact with that don't annoy me? And there are. Yeah. So my 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 two children who are now adults. Mm -hmm. We have widely divergent views on things, but I don't get annoyed when they tell me about it. Mm -hmm. And then one of my sisters is a very gentle soul. And, you know, she grew up in the 60s, very different views on almost everything. And Mm -hmm. I don't get annoyed at her. I can have a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. But those are the only three people in my entire life that I can think of that I don't have this visceral annoyance Mm -hmm. reaction when they talk about stuff that I don't agree with or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's potential.
0: Yeah, I, I love that there's some exceptions to this rule. I'm wondering if there's anything about those three people that stands out to you, right? Like, oh, why I have a little bit more space for these folks to have differences and do their own thing. And yeah, we don't have to agree on everything for me to still feel connected and calm and at peace with you.
1: Well I I I've, I've thought a lot about that since since I put my name in the hat for this thing yeah. and I think for my kids is I wanted to maintain an open relationship. Mm-hmm. So and again probably going back to my parents yeah. they were the children of the depression so you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs stopped at at food, clothing and shelter nothing mm-hmm. else mattered. Yeah. And so they were quick uh they, weren't, they didn't want to be mean but they were quick to shut you down, you know, shut their kids down. And I don't want to shut my kids down because mm-hmm. I wanted to maintain that open relationship. So from the start, I made a commitment, okay, I'm not going to do that to my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister, who's a gentle soul, I'm really not sure why, because my other siblings, like I, my, my two brothers who are very close in age to me, I can be really shut down and, and mean to them. But my, my sister was a gentle soul. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know why.
0: Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that you keep calling her a gentle soul?
1: Oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm sure it's not, not threatening. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing, I guess.
0: Yeah. Is this the sister who was in the altercation with your mom? No, no, okay. no. Um, yeah. It, it just, you know, when I hear you say gentle soul, gentle soul, gentle soul, it stands out to me that that's the way that you describe her, right? It's like, and then you said, yeah, nothing threatening about her. Whether you know it or not, it's an intentional word to use. Nothing threatening about her. right? The word threat. When something feels threatening to us, what do you think I'm going to say? Uh, helplessness and powerlessness again. Right? When something's threatening to us, right? we often feel helpless and powerless. Right? Mm-hmm. She's not threatening to you. Your children aren't threatening to you. Right? Because the desire to be open and connected with them and maintain a relationship with them is of utmost importance to you. The person at the bank, maybe not as important, right? No, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Definitely okay. not, okay. right? Yeah. And I and I think what I'd say is less about your wife not being, but I think the MS, the MS, what it's doing to her. That's a threat. And it's taking your wife away from you. Okay. Yeah, it's taking your wife away from you. That's a threat. No matter how much you surrender. No matter how much you surrender, right? It's a threat. What are you noticing in your body? Can you just check in?
1: Uh... As Linda Richmond would say, I'm getting over-climped.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little sticky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just make a little space for it. Right? Your wife is not your enemy. The MS is the threat, right? The MS is the enemy. Okay. Okay. I know that brain of yours is like, okay, but what? <laughs> yeah. I already heard it. You didn't even have to say it to me. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 but what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's take a step back from the but what for a second. Right, and should just be with that. You willing to close your eyes for a second? Sure. Okay, let's just do a, do an exercise together and see where it goes. I want you to visualize pulling the ms out of her body out of her being and just put it right down in front of you whatever i don't know if it's a blob whatever shape size color once you have it just describe it to me just place it down right in front of you
1: oh it says it's it's, it's kind of like a sponge okay and it uh and it, it absorbs and takes all the good stuff out, I guess.
0: Mm. Yeah. What color is it?
1: It's like a yellow yellow kitchen sponge.
0: Okay. And it's about the same size as a ordinary kitchen sponge?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Just take a look at it. I just want you to notice what you feel in your body. Maybe it's a little bit more stickiness or tension somewhere. Just you tell me, what do you notice? Anything in your chest, in your jaw, in your fists? Where do you notice as you take a look? Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: the the tightness in my uh, jaw and my chest and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, tears welling up, I guess. Okay.
0: Yeah, let that be. If you want, you can just open your jaw and move it around a little bit. can put a hand on your chest if you just want to bring some presence there, whatever it is that feels comfortable for you, but just notice that tension and just keep breathing and just keep looking at that sponge. And now I want you to just express something to the sponge, right, directly as if you're speaking directly to the MS, right? Whatever it is that you want to say to it, Maybe you've said it already. Maybe you've never said it out loud before. But I want you to just speak directly to the MS, whatever's there.
1: I hate you and I want to destroy you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's the. Uh... Mm-hmm.
1: And there's just things of that effect, I guess. I get a lot, I could, I could put a lot of profanity in there.
0: You know what? If you are okay with giving a little bit of profanity. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) Okay, All right. So I'll take the, I hate you. Okay. Yeah. What else do you want to say to it? Leave my wife alone. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Leave my wife the hell alone.
0: Yeah.
1: And just be gone and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't
0: know. What you're doing to her is.
1: is cruel. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's no reason for it.
0: Yeah. What you're doing to me is. Uh, you know, that, that, I don't,
1: that really doesn't resonate with me, mm-hmm. what it's doing to me.
0: Seeing this cruelty feels.
1: Okay, I'll say I feel helpless and uh, mm-hmm. I wish there was something more I could do about it. And uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm.
0: What my wife doesn't know is...
1: I guess how much pain it causes me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If that pain could speak, what it would say is...
1: that I don't know. Okay. Yeah.
0: I don't reveal my pain to her because...
1: Because she has enough pain of her own. Yeah.
0: yeah she right. sees
1: glimpses. She sees glimpses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But if she saw the full deal, if she saw it all, it would be too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it would be too much for her. She is a, um, mm-hmm. we use the term, altruistic pervert.
0: <laughs> so living with my pain by myself is... I'm o- I'm okay with it. I I I, I don't
1: want to share it. Um,
0: I don't want to share it because
1: it's it's insignificant compared to what my wife is going through. Mm.
0: Yeah, it feels strange to make space for my pain when I know that she's going through. Something.
1: Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what sharing pain would look like. Mm. I don't even. I don't, I don't. even understand the concept of it. And um, I don't want to. I don't want to be a whiner, and I don't want to be a complainer.
0: Mm. <sighs> I think sharing our pain is about not having to live with it on our own. Right? That we don't have to hold it by ourselves. And I think sometimes when we compare our pain to somebody else's pain, and we're like, "Oh, they have it so much worse than I do," it would be silly of me, you know, it would be ridiculous of me to, like, "Oh, poor me! This here's what I'm going through, and this is what you know what my wife is going through," and yet it is still valid and true that you are experiencing what you're experiencing. That still exists. It's still real. Do you think that she thinks it's a walk in the park for you?
1: Oh no, no, she knows. She knows it's not. How does and, she? Know? Uh, well, we talk about it. Like our our motto is, "It's difficult, but it's not too difficult." So, if we describe our lives to people, they think it's horrific, and we tell them it's not horrific. We do not have horrific lives. Mm-hmm. We tell them it's difficult, but it's not too difficult. It was too difficult, we wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, one of our family goals is to keep my wife out of a uh, out of a facility, Mm. and me and my kids are committed to that. And uh, and so, whatever we need to do, we do.
0: Your commitment is it's beautiful. It's moving. It's beautiful and it's moving and it's touching and she's really lucky to have someone who cares so deeply about her and being by her side. And your pain matters. Your experience matters. And the part of you that wants to bottle it all up and make sure that it's not too much for her or distracts away from her experience may be robbing both of you of something really important. Really? This is your vulnerability. This is your pain. This is your sadness. These are the sentences that say things like, I'm scared to lose you. I am sad to think about a world without you here. And I can hold my faith in one hand and also hold my sadness in another. I can trust that I will see you again and I can also connect to the sadness of living on this side without you. There's a lot of vulnerability in that. I don't know if that's what it would sound like from you or if I just made some things up that, you know, missed the boat. But I'm curious what it would sound like from you if you let vulnerability come forward, if there was space for you two to feel something that's there that's true. What would you say to Hmm. her if there was room? If you knew 100% that she could hear it, that it wouldn't be too much for her, what would you want her to know about you? And what you're feeling.
1: As far as I can tell you right now, honestly, she knows. Mm-hmm. She knows. I, uh, um, I think I share enough with her, and um, she is very concerned about the effects mm-hmm. that, that this has on me, and 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 what we do, and uh, and we try to support each other. So
0: she's very concerned about you. Yes, and you're saying she knows. But you don't have yeah. to tell her. Well, it, we do talk
1: about it. There are times when when it comes up and, and we talk about it. And, and I say, I, I find this blah, blah, really frustrating. I mm-hmm. find this really difficult. We're just going to keep on mm-hmm. doing what we can do and doing the best that we can do. And she goes, okay, and she's, she's pretty good about that.
0: Does she get to see your tears much? Or you stay pretty no, stoic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Will you just play along with me for a second?
1: We'll see. All right, all right. <laughs> I want to take a "we'll
0: see" from you. That's a good win on my for my day. Um, she knows it's difficult. She knows it's hard. Okay, but before you are saying, "Okay, the tears are welling up," right? There's a divide between this is challenging and this is hard, versus I feel helpless. I'm scared i'm going to miss you there's a separation between the two i think you talk about this on the other side of that this is hard challenging but we'll get through it you 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 present in this stoic way right so sort the of traditional sense of like i'm strong right for you and what i'm challenging is the part of you that opens up your heart where some of those tears started to well in your closed eyes before. The words that were in those tears, the expression of your sadness and grief and fear and helplessness and powerlessness that was wrapped up in those tears. I don't want you to share what it is that she already knows. She knows it's hard. She knows it's challenging. She's worried about you. I'm curious about you offering one sentence of something that maybe she's never heard from you before. You don't have to say it to her right now, to me. What would you want her to know? Or maybe I should actually rephrase that because maybe you don't want her to know this, but what would you say that would be an accurate description of your vulnerability and what it is you're truly feeling? Out of your head and into your heart.
1: That that her illness exposes my selfishness.
0: Mm. Meaning?
1: Um, I I don't want to be a selfish person, but yeah, um, ha- having to 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 take care of her um, reminds me every day of how selfish I am.
0: Keep going. Meaning what? What's the selfishness? You're right there. Oh, um, it, uh, that I don't want to be doing this. That we I, could... I don't
1: want to have to be doing it. I'm. I'm. But like I told before, when when she's in the hospital, it kills me because they can't get good care of her, and I'm glad when she's home and I'm the one who's taking care yeah. of her. But. Yeah I, I, um if i if i didn't have to i'd rather do what i want to do all the, you know, every day of every minute of every day just do what i want to do rather than have to do stuff that i that that i don't want to do
0: and how it relates to her right not just i want to go off and do my own thing how it relates to her and the relationship with her the selfish you wants um, what with her
1: I, I want my old wife back
0: yeah
1: I want my old wife that we could do all those fun things that we can't do anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now that I've never told her. Yeah.
0: I miss you. Thanks for sharing that with me.
1: I want to say you're welcome, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel very welcome.
0: (laughs) It's okay. Maybe you sit with this for a bit. I'll
1: probably be sitting with it for a long, long time, I imagine, but.
0: Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, maybe there's a moment where you decide that that's something that you do want to share with her. I don't know. That's for you. That's for you. But I imagine that there's maybe some more in there as well. Right. Huh. I appreciate and acknowledge you deeply for letting me challenge you. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, yeah, you're yeah, welcome. You don't have to say <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Um, I want, but I want to say that to you, right? I, I wanna say that to you. I don't need anything back from you. And I acknowledge you for, for going there, for letting me challenge you, for coming in contact with what is there for you. Yeah, it's a beautiful release. And I know, like you said, you're gonna sit with this for some time. It might be a lot of time. And you might sit with whether or not this is something that at some point you do wanna share with her. And let her in on what it is you grapple with. But I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know what you expected walking into this conversation with me. I know you wanted to talk about why you get annoyed with people and, you know, how you can shift that. But, I don't know, our, our conversation took a little bit of a, <laughs> a different turn along the way. And just, yeah, just want to check in to see... What's coming up for you, if you have any reflections or thoughts or things you want to share with me before we come to an end?
1: Well, I was hoping to, to come up with something where I could try to modify my behavior and break the link between annoyance and anger, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll, ju- I'll just keep on working that. Let me pause if, you. I, I, go ahead. This is that. This is that?
0: This is that. This is the modification between annoyance and anger. What what is hmm. your vulnerability?
1: Okay. So lack of control and vulnerability.
0: Your vulnerability. Okay. That's okay. the modifier. Instead of becoming angry, I become vulnerable. Instead of becoming angry, I tell you I miss ah, our relationship. Okay. I miss you. I miss what we had. Right? That's the modifier. You're doing it. You did it. Okay. Mm-hmm yeah you see that?
1: No, I'll need to digest it for a okay. while.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you'll be able to replay this. Yeah. <laughs> I cut you off. What else were you gonna say? Do you remember
1: no not. well no I, I, I'm gonna let my wife at, at some point mm. see this so
0: Oh beautiful okay. Good. Well. I hope that our conversation will spark a really beautiful conversation for the two of you as well. There's a big breakthrough that just took place. As you heard, Randy may need some time to make sense of this conversation, but I could feel it. And I imagine you could too. He started to redirect his emotions from annoyance to vulnerability. And what a beautiful moment when he finally shared how much he missed his wife. You know, what he exclaimed earlier on in our conversation, right, about not knowing. He didn't have answers to a lot of things. Going from, I don't know, which meant, really, I don't know if I can go there to moving through this process in our conversation, right? This was a beautiful transition from, I don't know, to what is actually there. This deep, important vulnerability that he's living with. What came up for you as you listened to this show? Notice how certain emotions, anger, maybe annoyance, maybe irritation can take you away from being vulnerable. What if you let vulnerability come forward? What do you think would change in your life then? I hope what you heard today was helpful. If you like the show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you could rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron. With production support from Anita Flores, our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Ditcher.